Welcome to the Hillside Community Church Podcast. Wherever you're at in your faith, we hope this episode encourages you. If you enjoy the listen, let your friends know, and we'll catch you next time. Good morning, Hillside. Oh, you guys are awake. This is good. You guys have coffee. You never know what you're going to get on that good morning. You just don't. So I'll see how second service does. I'm excited to be here. Uh, my name is Cody. I'm the creative arts pastor here. So normally you see me back there. And then once a year, Pete lets me out of my, my cage and says, you get, you get to talk. And uh, for those of you that don't know me, I love to talk. So we're going to have fun today. Um, this is the last part of our summer series. We've really enjoyed it. I've loved getting to see what our other pastors have talked about and encouraged us with. And, you know, honestly, I, what was on my heart as I prepared for this day was how do I get us ready for the fall? Because you may have heard a little bit, but this outreach series means everything to us. We want to challenge ourselves and you to reach our community for Christ. And we don't want to do it in a fake or non-genuine way. We want to see us have this passion for it. And so I said, where, where can we go to maybe prepare ourselves for that. And I kept going back to Philippians and Paul, he's just such an encouraging guy in the New Testament. Um, he's, a, he's a wacky guy sometimes. He says things in a very unique way, I think. And um, so I said, you know what, let's go to Philippians today. And I, let's spend time in Philippians 1, just one chapter. And in this chapter, Philippians 1, I think Paul demonstrates a call to love, to encourage, to guide He encourages us to share joy and challenge one another in the faith no matter what circumstances we are in. That's what I found in this chapter and that's where I think we'll be able to go with it. Now many of you have probably plenty of thoughts about the Apostle Paul. Um, He's a polarizing character of the New Testament, all right? We see him in Acts, we see him first as an enemy of the faith. Let's just get a little backstory and little context about who this person is that's writing to this group of people in Philippians. He was an enemy of the faith. He persecuted early Christians. He attacked them. And then he has this miraculous conversion, and it's truly amazing. And then he gets on to the work of the gospel immediately. He begins immediately and becomes an incredible servant, an incredible leader of the early church. And most will agree that he wrote 13 epistles of the New Testament. So he's quite the wordsy guy, okay? So he's a polarizing guy, and I I think we can be encouraged by him today. You know, he wrote to to this people group, right, of Philippi, right? That's where we get this book. And he wrote this letter very likely in, um, in one of his times in prison. Now, he was probably under house arrest as he wrote it. Wasn't maybe necessarily in chains, but he does use that language. So the debate could be there. But what we need to understand is that his mind, his thoughts were on others, even in the most dire of circumstances. He considered them family. And honestly, I think we could take a cue from him and that we should treat, treat each other like that as well. Um, I, I wanna take chapter one today and I kinda wanna do it like a, like a DIY show, okay? Like a do-it-yourself where, you know, you see these shows and they show you the finished product of where we're going And then they say, okay, here's how we got there. And then they take us through the steps, right? So I actually want to look at the end of chapter one first, at one particular verse. This isn't the very last verse, um, but I think it's one that, that just, I think it's what we're aiming for. It's our benchmark. It's Philippians 1.27. Let's go ahead and take a look at that together, is what it says. 
Above all, you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. Then whether I come and see you again or only hear about you, I will know that you are standing together with one spirit and one purpose, fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. This is our aim, to be citizens of heaven, to be citizens of his kingdom, to conduct ourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel, unified, standing together. Let's remember these words as we go through this. And honestly, it's a very simple and straightforward goal, but it's very compact. It has a lot to it. And so one thing I want to highlight before we actually get back to the beginning of the chapter is that he says, see you again. And so I think it's, again, worthy of noting, you know, just to give us that context, to remember that he is not with them at this time, that he is being restrained from being able to admonish them in person. And the fact that his mind is on this group of people that he considers his family, his, his friends, his church, part of this great church that he gets to be a part of, is so incredible and in that I think it makes his compassion even stronger. It's one thing for us to think of others when we're at a place of freedom, literally for him, right? I mean, but when I'm free and I have time to give you my love, that's nice, but when I am in a very difficult circumstance, and really most of us would kick back to the idea that I should just take care of myself and hopefully survive this thing, and yet his thoughts are on them to make sure they're doing okay, to make sure they're encouraged. That's a powerful place to be and a place that I wanna hopefully see if we could be challenged to get to today. So let's go to verse three through six. We're gonna skip the intro. It's a little bit more of the greeting, but let's go to verse three. This is what he says. Every time I think of you, I give thanks to God. Whether I pray, or whenever I pray, I make my request for all of you with joy. For you have been my partners, very important words, circle that word partners, in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you heard it until now. And I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. So, again, in this moment, I'm reminded that he is not alone, that we are not alone in this faith. He considers them, I think the language that I see here is something that says that he, even though they are apart, they are together. We should behave that way. Even when we're apart, we're together right now, but even when we're apart, we should consider ourselves together and unified, praying for one another, encouraging one another, however we can, and we live in a great time Technology where I can do that for you. You can do that for me. Now, you know, I talked about Paul being a polarizing guy. He's this, it's very interesting. I, I find it almost ironic, but you look at some of his other chapters and, and books of the New Testament, and he could be a little brash. He could be a little harsh. He has very strong words, and sometimes it, I don't know, I, you know, sometimes I have to ask Pete, was he being rude here? And yet, you know, you look at, what, how he talks to the Philippians here, and he's a feely guy. He's an emotional guy in a great way. And it's because he cares for his fellow brothers and sisters that they may know God more and that they may continue to do the work, the ministry of the gospel that we are all called to. You know, I think about just, there's so many examples, I couldn't even pick one in this moment for this particular part of the the verses we're looking at of examples of people in the church that I know that look after people, that are always 
they just seem to always have an incredible spirit that, that reminds them to check in on you at the right time, to make sure you're doing okay, to give you that word of encouragement in that moment that they didn't even know you needed it. And when we are thinking more of others and how we can help advance their walk or maybe show Christ to them for the very first time, I think God is able to use us even more and think less of ourselves and still yet take care of us in the circumstances that we are in. Now, I said to circle the word partner. And this is what, I, I, I didn't even see this word before in this, in this passage, but it's become something that I go, wow, this, we, need to, we need to spend some time with this. This word partner or partnership or however your translation says it, amplifies the character of sharing, of collaborating for the sake of the gospel. We, if we are fellow believers and agree to be followers of Christ, we have a kindred spirit together. We go, yes, I agree together. We both have been saved. There's an immediate connection that we have. But this is more than that. Paul's encouraging us to be more than that in this word. Partners, we are partakers of his grace. The Greek term that Paul uses here is actually koinonia. Um, I've actually talked about this term before when I preached on Acts 2, and it was talking about the sharing and the relationship, the very intimate relationship that believers are to have under the name of God. It's strong. It's a powerful term. And what one commentator said about this uh, regarding chapter 1 and that word koinonia, he said this. The Philippians and Paul were partners because they shared in the financial and serving sacrifice that comes with kingdom living. We can't merely be partners in something if we just say, hey, we wear the same jersey. We must sweat together. We must work together. We must sacrifice together. If you've ever been in those moments where you're in the heat of the day serving and, and doing something, you know what I'm talking about, where there's this partnership that we share that is beyond anything else. And it's only by God's grace because he brought us there to that place, and yet then we are able to share it with others. You know, I think of, when I heard this term partner, you think of our word partnership at Hillside. That's not why we're not just members. We are partners. We take up this fight together. I think of our legacy campaign and what this building is about. It's really not about the brick and mortar. It's about our future. It's about our kids. And we must sacrifice together to get there. Let's keep going. Let's look at seven and eight. So it is right that I should feel, here's Paul being feely again, that I should feel as I do about all of you. For you have a special place in my heart. You share with me the special favor of God, both in imprisonment and in defending and confirming the truth of the good news. God knows how much I love you and I long for you with the tender compassion of Christ Jesus. Once again, Paul being the feely emotional guy, right? Now, here's what's interesting about that word feel, okay? And it may be translated a little bit differently, but um, another commentator said this, um, Hawthorne did in his uh, commentary on Philippians. That term feel is used 26 times in the New Testament. Now get this, 23 are Paul, all of them. All 23 of the 26 are Paul using that term. There is something here. He's an emotional guy and I love it and he's demonstrating a, look at that tender compassion of Christ Jesus. He longs for them. 
And I thought, man, what an interesting thing. You know, he's separated by them. And even though he's trying to encourage them from afar, he still yearns to be with them, to be together. Because there is something special when you're able uh, to walk alongside one another in the faith, literally. And I said, what, what example do I have? What, what's, what's a, what, what does this look like in my life or maybe in yours? And I thought of, um, I went to Liberty University up in Virginia. And at my, while I was there, I, was, um, I had an incredible RA named Mike. And he, he was a youth pastor. He was also our RA. He was a youth pastor for a church plant. It was an hour away. And one day he asked me to come with him, and we, we ended up, I ended up driving an hour every Wednesday night with him, sometimes on Sundays too, to work alongside him and learn from him. And, you know, it's, it's been six years since I've been there at Liberty, which I can't believe, and um, I haven't seen him since. But we shared this bond. We were partners in the faith together in those moments and were able to minister to students. And every couple months from, for all those six years that since I've seen him, it just, life gets in the way. He's in Atlanta. We're here. We call each other every couple months. And, the, and I got to do it just last week. It was four hour long conversation. What guy talks to another guy on the phone for four hours? But we're just, I mean, you don't even realize the time goes by and you're talking, you're sharing stories and you're encouraging each other and you're talking about ministry. He's in, he's in family ministry now. And I, I, I have chills thinking about it because we encourage one another, even though we're not together, even though we're not a part of the same local body, we're a part of this church that God has brought us together under and we're able to share in that. And I long to be with him again one day. And maybe you can relate with that. Maybe there's somebody that's impacted your life in that way. But that's that yearning that Paul had. And I think it's a good thing that it, it reminds you that you're right where you need to be in how you look at your relationships and your friendships from within, you know, the body. You know, this love that we keep talking about, it's very easy to toss around, but I, it, it reminds me of what Jesus says in John 13, 35. Right? He talks to the disciples, and in that moment, he says, look, the world is going to know you by the love that we show one another. We are to be about the word of God. We are to walk in his truth. But are you demonstrating love in your life, Hillside? Are you demonstrating a love for the church and fellow believers and for the lost? That's my question. As a citizen of faith, we are to love one another. And to be honest... <laughs> You look outside, and I say outside, but I'm talking about social media, and I'm talking about the news, and it is an absolute hate storm right now. It seems to, I barely can turn it on anymore, but it seems to be all about how can we expose this person? How can we make this person look bad? Let's shine a light on that person's sin. And yes, there is some bad stuff out there, but that just seems to be the motive. So on one level, Hillside, it's pretty darn easy to look different. In the best way. A simple kind word, a simple helping hand is really all it takes to get started. And the world's gonna go, that's different. <laughs> that's a different pace than I'm used to. You know, it's interesting. There's a couple things that I'm doing in my life and just trying to challenge myself to think of others, uh, whether that be just out in public, um, whether that be at a restaurant, whether that be in my hobbies. And um, it's so funny to me because once I set my mind to it and I, I really try to 
I mean, you know, whether it be just eye contact or just a kind word, a compliment, just in a, you know, in a, in a helpful way or just, you know, trying to show somebody some attention for that moment to say, look, like, you're a human being and I care about you too. They go, oh my gosh, I'm amazed. It's like you did a magic trick, right? And it's, it's simple. It's just loving one another. It's giving compassion out there. That's all it takes. But it is unique. It's not just love. It's not just compassion. Because he says it. We share a special favor of God. We are able to love because he first loved us in our worst. And we are still not perfect. And yet he loves, and that is why we have that ability. For the sake of time, we're gonna be blitzing through this, okay? Nine through 11, all right? Now this passage, circle the whole thing because this is a great one to memorize. This is a great one to memorize. I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you'll keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. For I want you to understand what really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ, for this will bring much glory and praise to God. So much here. It speaks for itself, but notice the language of compassion and of love, the love overflowing more and more, but notice it is intertwined It is connected and bonded with knowledge and understanding and righteousness. We cannot simply operate on love alone. In fact, I think the world has that down, okay? I think we call them hippies. (laughs) But it's seriously, it's, it's, and all joking aside, no, think of it like this. We can't have his love without his righteous and just nature, This love that we has received is from Jesus, the Son of God. It is eternal. It is real. It is lasting. It is transforming. It is redeeming. It is overwhelming and overflowing with joy, but yet it carries a distinct mark of truth, of holiness, of righteousness. Paul reminds us we are redeemed by Christ, that special favor. Look, when we are redeemed, when we give our lives to Christ, it is not the end of something. You did not reach the finish line. It is instead the starting line. You have now began a lifetime of sanctification. Big word, we're talking about being set apart. You were for this, now God has you and you are for him. You were set apart and you are running this race and from that point on, you are to pursue him, to pursue his words and his spirit Spirit is able to take your spirit and go, I'm for him. I'm for those words of truth. If we are going to let the world recognize us for our love and our compassion, if it's to be unique and different, we better be ready to demonstrate the responsibility of godly character. Might need to say that one again. The world's gonna recognize us for our love and compassion as unique and different and great. We better be ready to handle the responsibility of representing godly character as well. We share in this citizenship. We are citizens together and we must hold each other accountable to be disciplined, to know his words. My prayer for you that I've been praying as we approach this conversation is that you can have a burning desire for his words 
And I know, I get it, I know the struggle. I know that the discipline side of what we're called to in this journey can be tough. Some of us, the idea of opening a book is the worst. The idea of listening to something is just not on our agenda. But I find in those moments when I go, God, I don't have it. I'm admitting to you. I'm honest. I don't have this desire right now. Help me. I have found that it's not always immediate, but he gives you that desire. He helps you get to that place to seek him, to know him more, to want to learn. It's a really cool place to be at a moment where you go, I'm I'm starving. I'm starving for him. I'm starving for his word. I want it. I want to consume this. We can help each other with that. So if you've hit a rocky road or have gotten distracted, don't let up. Be honest with him. Ask for help. Let's keep moving. This next section, um, I actually don't have it up on the screen because we're gonna have to take a really big bite out of chapter one. We're gonna look at 12 through 19 together, okay? And honestly, we could spend a whole day there. We could spend a whole day there. Pete could probably spend three, but he's not here, I don't think, so I could say that. Okay, 12 through 19, I'm gonna read it and then we're gonna give a couple thoughts on it, okay? Because it is very important. All right, so let's read this together, 12 through 19. And I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me here has helped to spread the good news. For everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows that I am in chains because of Christ. And because of my imprisonment, most of the believers here have gained confidence and boldly speak God's message without fear. It's true that some are preaching out of jealousy and rivalry, but others preach about Christ with pure motives. They preach because they love me, for they know that I have been appointed to defend the good news. Those others do not have pure motives as they preach about Christ. They preach with selfish ambition, not sincerely, intending to make my change more, chains more painful to me. But that doesn't matter. Whether their motives are false or genuine, the message about Christ is being preached either way. So I rejoice, and I will continue to rejoice. For I know that as you pray for me in the spirit of Jesus Christ helps me, this will lead to my deliverance. There's a lot. <clears throat> He shows you he's in prison. He shows you that there are other believers there, that people know why he's there, that he's there for Christ because of his mission, because of his ministry. They're encouraged. They're being bold together. And there's this other group, right, with the wrong motives. And out of selfishness or some type of attempt to shame him, they are trying to preach Christ but in the wrong way, Okay. So let's highlight a couple things. First is this, and we kind of said this at the beginning. Paul may be in chains in some way, figuratively or literally at some time in this, right? But the reconciling, life-changing message of the gospel knows no chains. It has no bounds. It doesn't matter where it goes. It doesn't matter what hard place it gets to. It breaks through. And to be honest, I don't want to be a part of anything. I don't want to be a part of this faith if it couldn't. And thank goodness that's exactly who God is and the nature of his character and his word. It breaks through all. We may be bound or we may be in a place in our life, I don't know, I can't relate, I haven't been to prison, but you may be in a tough place or you may have been in a tough place, whether that be because of a loss that you've had that has hurt you so much that you feel bound. But I wanna remind you that in that moment, God's love and his care for you, they break through that. They can use that 
And I would even say, maybe that's exactly where God wants you because you can reach someone in that place too. Second is this amazing development that should not go unnoticed in verse 14, that the fellow believers that are with Paul are actually encouraged by him being there and what he is able to do. Because think about it, if Paul is really as big of a guy as that we say he is in the early church, can you imagine if you're there or you hear that Paul, the Paul, got in prison? You go, oh man, we're done for, (laughs) right? Like that might... To be honest, if I heard that, if I was in that moment, I might have gone, oh man, I'm, I'm discouraged now. What are we gonna do? Like if, if he could be touched and taken out of this picture for a little bit, what are we gonna do? Or he's here right alongside me. I thought that he could, of anybody, he could escape it. And no, they're not discouraged, they're encouraged. They're given boldness. And that word boldness is really interesting. It's not harsh. It's not about chest puffing and let me show you what I can do. It's encouraged. It's a, it's a catalyst to say we could do this. We could do this together and I wanna share this more. Here's my question for you today. And this might be the hardest one of, that I ask you. Does your faith make others bold for Christ? Does your faith, how you carry yourself and walk that journey, does it make others bold? I wanted to think of an example of somebody um, that I felt made others bold for Christ. And you know, you, you pray about it and there's a lot of examples. And um, I thought of Craig, my father-in-law. He is so bold in how he carries himself and it is with such a tender spirit. Anytime we're out in public with a stranger, with the waitress or the waiter, he always knows how to have the perfect conversation with them to show them love and just show them interest in what they're a part of. And with gentleness, he invites them to a conversation about faith. And it's not a one-off. He's bold in that moment to say, look, like I'm coming back to this restaurant and I'm gonna ask you again how you're doing. He'll invite them. When we, I mean, we, guys, we've had, um, we've had waiters and waitresses to family meals for Thanksgiving and for Christmas. And I don't know anybody else that does that. And he's taught me how to be okay with it and how to want that, how to be bold. They'll be out on the lake with us. He brings them in and it's this boldness and and shows them the love of Christ. He's also a business professional and I, I know he had no idea I was saying any of this today, but even his employees know exactly who he is. They know that they can have prayer when they need it. They know they can have a spiritual conversation when they want one. And he'll say, I want to be bold for Christ like that. You don't have to be this superhero that wears a cape or that is loud and obnoxious all the time for Jesus. It's a boldness that can be tender and kind and maybe even soft-spoken in your own way. So I ask you that question, are you bold for Christ and do you make others bold? Because that's what Paul did right there in his circumstance of prison. 
Third, the last thing I'll say uh, regarding this part of the, the text is um, there's a, you know, debate, and you may have this question, who's the other group? Who's this group that's being selfish and trying to meddle with what Paul's doing, right? Like, that's just the, like, the dramatic part of us, right? We're like, who's this group? We need to know. And so, you know, I looked at about, I don't know, four or five commentaries, and they all kind of said the same thing. It was really interesting. First, they do the, like, theologian thing where they're like, well, it could be this group. And then they're like, and it could be this group if it was during this time frame, right? Like, they always give you, like, it could be this and it could be that. It could be the Gnostics. It could be this Jewish Christian group that maybe doesn't have the whole picture together. And then, you know, maybe your question is, well, they're preaching the wrong gospel. Well, Paul doesn't say that. And some want to argue it. But he says they preach Christ. And he is very clear in other books and other uh, letters that he writes he is very clear when somebody preaches a false gospel and he calls them out. So it's not likely that. But here's what all the commentaries agree on on this. It doesn't matter. Whoever they were, they had a bad notion. They had the bad idea. They were doing something selfishly. They were trying to maybe shame Paul, make him feel worse in his circumstance. Whatever it may be, Paul says, I don't care. God's word's being spread. God's gospel is here, and it is being advanced. The mission continues, and nothing can touch me. Can you imagine how much life would be better and easier if we operated in that way when somebody had the bad idea about you, when somebody had something against you? Because I said, well, how do we relate to this? Because I don't know how many of you have been in prison and have dealt with another group that's trying to shame you while you're there. But if you have, I'd love to talk with you because I don't know what that feels like. But what I do think it relates to for us is in two ways. First, you may think of another church. You may think of another church that you've heard of, that you've been to, that you've been a part of. And you go, I don't like how they do it. They make me feel weird. I don't like the music this way. I don't like the the sermon's this way. It's not relevant. It's not me. I'm not comfortable. And I get over it. If, if the gospel, if Jesus is being preached as the son of God and that he is a life-changing redeemer, then you better say amen and I hope God uses them and convicts them when they do something wrong. Because guess what, Hillside? I'm admitting to this, and I know that plenty of others on staff would as well. We do it wrong sometimes too. Sometimes we, met, we miss the mark. We have a little bit wrong of an ambition, a little bit wrong of a goal, and we miss it. But guess what? God still uses us. And maybe something that you could relate to on the other side of this, here's another example. Maybe there's a person in your life, a sibling right? It's kind of the sibling rivalry, I think, within the faith, where it's like, they're super Christian. They always talk about Jesus. I don't know how they do that. I hate that, you know? Like, or maybe you're like, I don't like that they do that because it makes the other person feel uncomfortable that maybe you're trying to reach. And on one level, that's right, and we got to work through those convictions and trust that the Spirit of God can guide us in those convictions if we are truly believers, you gotta trust that God can take care of them and convict them and that he could take care of you too. God can use the craziest of people. <laughs> he could use me, if he could use me 
And I am a screwball sometimes, okay? If he could use me, he could use anybody. And to that, I'm saying, thank you, God. Thank you that you still use us in our imperfections. Okay, last section. How are we doing? I don't know. My watch is dead. That's cool. All right, technology. (laughs) Oh, it's on. Okay, cool. We're good. Sweet. All right, last section. We're going to look at 20 through 24. Let's look at this together. For I fully expect and hope that I will never be ashamed, but that I will continue to be bold for Christ as I have been in the past. And I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ, whether I live or die. For to me, living means living for Christ, and dying is even better. But if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ. So I really don't know which is better. Can you believe he's saying that? which I'm torn between two desires. I long to go and be with Christ, which would be far better for me, but for your sakes, it is better that I continue to live. And honestly, the next couple verses kind of reiterate that. But this is a very heavy text. First, Paul says, I fully expect and hope. And this isn't wishful language. He's like, well, I I hope I'm never ashamed. He doesn't have any kind of doubt in this language. This is, I fully expect. And hope to Paul is, is assurance. I hope, my hope is true in this moment, that I will never be ashamed. Now, that's interesting, shamed, right? Like, what, why shame? Think about it like this. If you're on trial for something, if the world, according to whatever law of the land you are a part of, says that you are guilty of something, and for this time period, his faith was being put on trial, and he was going to pay for it, If you are convicted of that, according to the world, you are shamed in that moment. If you're found guilty of a crime, you are now shamed in that moment, right? To them. Paul says, you can't touch me. I don't care. I'm not going to be shamed. We are never ashamed, according to Christ. We are protected. We are secure. We are redeemed. And while the world may say that we lose, Paul says, we win. When we break through those boundaries, think about how many times you are held back in your walk, in your journey, in your relationship with Christ because you are scared of something. When you're fearful of how the world may see you. This is a reminder, don't worry about that. If God sees you as victorious and his child, that's all that matters. And that's all that matters to Paul. And And he says, Because of that encouragement, I'm gonna continue. I'm gonna continue to be bold. And Philippians 1.21 was one of the first verses I memorized because it was so easy to live as Christ and to die is gain. What's Paul saying there? Because some of us might go, that's a little steep for me. Well, first it's this. He's not afraid of death. He has a peace and an understanding about death that even if it comes through trial or something else, it will lead to the ultimate reunion, the ultimate reconciliation with his father that created him, that redeemed him. He counts it as joy, as an even the greatest victory known. And yet, and yet he says this, to live is Christ. 
he understands that his identity is completely and wholly secured in Christ alone. And each and every breath that he is able to live, he gives thanks to God for it and says, I have work to do. And he says, hey, guess what? Philippians, it's a blessing that I get to keep living because I get to continue to encourage and minister to you. Can you imagine if this is how we woke up each and every day as believers? If we woke up and said, God, thank you. You gave me a new breath, a new day to go minister to somebody. I have work to do. There is fruit to be labored for yet. And so I don't know if you need this reminder, but you're still breathing. So that means God's still got something for you to do. And to that I say, amen, what is it? Let's see, right? I want to think of others more, Hillside. I th- I, I, it's so clear. Paul may be in the worst circumstance, but this whole first chapter, and he goes on, is about them. It's to help them. He asks for prayer because he knows that's what family does. We look after one another, and he knows that you'll be encouraged by it. But by thinking of them and seeing their growth in the faith, he is actually speaks of receiving that joy and is encouraged and says, it's better. I can get through this because of you. So when we think of others, when we have compassion for others, you'll find that your spirit is warm too. And maybe you need that reminder that it's okay to let go of yourself. Let's bring it back all to that original verse, right? Verse 27, I wanna look at it again now that we've walked through this chapter together. Above all, you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. Then whether I come and see you again or only hear about you, I will know that you are standing together with one spirit and one purpose, fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. You know, the, again, verse 27 is actually the first verse of the last, the, with three more verses, the last section of chapter one. It's a great little section. Call it homework. Go read it together at home, uh, you know, with your family, with a friend. It actually is great because it, it kind of continues on the theme of not fighting and, and being of one accord together. But I think that what we have here is we understand what a citizen of heaven, what a citizen of his kingdom is supposed to be. A citizen of his kingdom looks like this. Someone that is redeemed through Jesus' sacrifice. Someone who has compassion for others. And I'm gonna say this twice. Someone that has compassion for others, not pity on them, and not simply sympathy. And not only empathy, but compassion that acts, that moves. Let me say it again. We are to be someone as a citizen that has compassion for others, not pity on other people, not simply sympathy, and not only empathy, but compassion that moves, that works, that serves, that sacrifices for one another. We're someone to be 
we're, we're someone that's supposed to be a citizen that uses our circumstances, no matter how great, no matter how bleak, for the sake of God's mission for sharing the gospel to the world. We are someone to be that anticipates with joy the ultimate coming reconciliation with God and yet also relentlessly pursue good and fruitful work on this earth each and every day until he calls us home. That's who we're to be as citizens. So I ask you today, Hillside, are you a citizen? Are you a citizen of his kingdom? This is how I wanna close with this. I just wanna talk to, I I believe there's a few different groups in this room. I believe that some of you don't know him in a personal relationship and maybe you want to. And to that, I've been praying for you. I may not know your name. I may not know who you are. But I hope that you would let him change your life. I pray that you're able to give your life to him and find a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. If you have questions about that, if you want to know him because he has so much for you, he does, come talk to me. We have prayer leaders in the corners after the services that you could talk with. We would love to talk. Here's a second group I want to talk to. You may know Christ. You may call yourself a believer, and you may have misstepped. You may say to yourself right now, I don't know if I've ever had a faith that makes others bold for Christ. And if you want that, if you're ready, I say, guess what? It's never too late. Start today. Tell me how I can encourage you in that. Ask questions. Seek that. Find that burning desire because he is so ready to use you. Let me say this really quick, and I I didn't have this in here, but I just wanna say this. Those that expect great things from God will see great things. Those that expect little things of God won't see much. I'm sure somebody has said that before. You could tell me afterwards, but it's true. Don't don't put him in a small little box on your side table that you visit every once in a while. Let him change your life. The last people I wanna speak to today in here are those that are walking hand in hand with, with Christ. I wanna say to you, thank you. Thank you for being an encourager. Thank you for being bold for Christ. Thank you for showing us what it looks like to be a citizen. Thank you, and please keep going. Keep going. Please know you are noticed, and it helps me, it helps others, and I pray one day I could be an encourager right alongside you. Let's be citizens together, Hillside. Let's be partners together in this incredible faith. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this opportunity to learn from your word today. We are humbled, we are encouraged. I pray, God, you continue to transform us and use us. May we be bold for your gospel and your gospel alone. May we not get distracted. May we not be discouraged. May we remember that we have full hope, full trust, full assurance in your incredible redemptive plan. Thank you for your son. Thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you that you loved us first. Please teach us how to love others, truly love others according to you, according to your spirit. In your name we pray, amen. Hey, thanks for watching today's message. 
hope it encourages you wherever you're at in your faith. If you enjoyed it, let your friends know. We'll catch you next time.